How can CISOs be better leaders? This is what we'll be tackling on this episode of the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Anna, editor at TICE, and this week I'm joined by Stephen Moore, Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam, who says that organizations need a new breed of CISO, one who's groomed for the challenging audiences of the executive leadership team, the CEO, subcommittees, and the board. Furthermore, he shares advice on how to speak to the board in a language they understand, how to avoid sugarcoating bad news, and how to focus on cooperation, not just budget. Stephen also talks passionately about how CISOs can be better security leaders. Here he is, defining the new breed of CISO he'd like to see. There's a lot of things I think that we need in security leadership in general, not just the, the, the CISO. But I think one thing we need to do is, is stop owning so much of the problem. I think by virtue of the fact the people that are sort of interested in this career field want to be often the hero and the problem solver of everything. And we have to start calling in outside help. Uh, we have to start writing our, our findings and our recommendations not just through our eyes and ears, but through the eyes and ears of the organization. Um, and when necessary, push back and maybe sometimes shove a little bit to say, hey, uh, my job is to create great capabilities. So we are going to build aspirational things, things that are necessary, things that are aligned to real adversary behavior and needs or customer needs, better yet. And it is everyone else's job to work on the adoption of those things. And so if I were a board member, I would evaluate on both of those. So are you creating relevant, <clears throat> excuse me, relevant and great uh, capabilities? Okay, yes. What is the adoption percentage of that? And I expect that to be marching towards, you know, 100%. Um, this is most true when we have situations like mergers and acquisitions. There's political fights that often happen over which email system, silly things. Which email system is the best? Which domain is the best? And so slow mergers and acquisitions often are the result of political fights. Well, step aside from that, we have great security capabilities. Let's talk about the adoption. How fast can we adopt, right? So time is an issue. So we need outside help. So we need people like the board, the ELT, whoever to press to squash those political problems, those sort of jousting things that happen and say, okay, look, we're going to make these decisions faster because we're going to track closely what is the percentage of adoption of these great security capabilities and what are those capabilities, right? So anything that begins to erode that percentage, we're going to pay a lot of attention to. Got it? So we're going to constantly evaluate. So we buy a company. Maybe we're of equal size. They haven't adopted any of our great security capabilities. We went from 100%, let's say everyone was on board, to 50 by virtue of the fact we're doing an integration. And the integration's done and we eliminate all the duplicative things, like getting married, right? You throw out the extra set of silverware and everything. Okay, we're back to 100, but that there should be great penalty and consequence for the entire IT organization to sort of come on board. Hopefully the, um, the cutlery example was, was helpful <laughs> in that analogy. Definitely was. <laughs> Nobody likes to deliver bad news. How should CISOs deliver that bad news <laughs> on a Friday afternoon to, uh, the, to the board? Ooh. Um, well, typically, if you're having to deliver bad news, um, it's usually after something like a failed audit uh, or maybe a breach. 
Um, and if you're still around to deliver the message, uh, I, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, and sometimes, even though delivering bad news in a crisis is the worst time, especially to a stranger, at least then you're, I assure you, you'll be the most popular person in the room. And so that's not always a bad thing where you're kind of, no longer are they left to sort of ignore the issue of security. So the crisis brings amazing clarity uh, in, in, in the experiences that I've had. And so now the opposite issue is true. So it's not about, you're delivering the same message, but the follow-on questions, you're going to get a tidal wave of questions, whether it's from the ELT, the board, uh, auditors, lawyers. So now you're the most in-demand person in the entire building if you've had this sort of big negative event, typically a major incident or a breach. And so what I would say is just deliver it straight. Um, you know, the message I had to give once when I asked, are we secure? What a question. Are we secure? That's dependent on a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand variables. And my answer was, well, many great capabilities have been built. The adoption, we still need to work on. And further discussions led into, we don't make decisions well when we buy other companies. We don't integrate well. We don't manage legacy tech well. And so these are things, and then the question gave me, well, should you own those problems too? And the answer is, they're best owned. I have a sort of a select field of fire. Those should be owned and managed in the areas that they're, they can be best managed in, right? And, let, and so there's other, so you get into these, I think plain language. Um, the other thing I'll share is the bit of advice I gave in these sort of difficult situations. It sounds a bit silly, but do you know what important people do when they have a conversation versus the people that are versus new, uh, new to a situation? So imagine the first time you've been, maybe the first time to a nice restaurant or the first time to a, a room full of powerful people. You're quick to sort of share and answer very quickly and maybe stumble around a bit. Important people pause before they speak because they are not in a hurry for anyone. And that's how everyone in that room is going to act because they're all very powerful people. They're all very wealthy. They expect answers. And so don't pretend to be them, but at least don't appear that you're the newest person in the room. It's a little silly, but it's something I think we can all practice a bit more of. Great tip. So you, you've held many security leadership positions. What's your top tip to CISOs to becoming a better leader? Well, there's something I had to learn um, that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. And, you know, earlier in my career, uh, I was sort of focused on the wrong things, and I was extremely insecure, and that came through in my, the way I interacted with others, uh, and, and I, it kind of, I was a bit rough uh, with, with people, and I shouldn't have been, uh, and really that, that all was a result of me not knowing me well enough, and so first off, uh, know yourself, know what you're great at, and the reality is, is you're only really great at like two things or three things maybe, if you're really lucky. Know what you're not good at, uh, and then know what you want to sort of outsource. And I'll explain what that is here in a second. So understand yourself. And the next is, is begin to subscribe to servant leadership, um, the, the notion of what that really represents. And so 
when people say, I want to be a leader, uh, I walk them through a couple scenarios. I say, well, would you give, in the States this matters more, but uh, would you give your uh, vacation to someone else if they needed it, if they were ill? Would you forego your bonus for the benefit of others? How many lunches and breakfasts and coffees have you purchased? How much pain are you willing, meaning more often in a political, scary, sort of high-pressure environment, how much pressure and pain are you willing to, to own and to take organizationally so that your staff can be free of that pain? So I set that out. And then once you understand what you're great at, and once you begin to lead in that fashion, you can begin to hire people and welcome in people who are better than you at certain things. And you can also bring in people that things that you're not, that's not a priority for you, maybe it's a priority for them. So you can build a great team around that foundation. Got it? So we have, now we're, because we know ourselves and we're willing to be a servant leader, now we can round out a better, a better organization. Um, I think studying that in, in, and it's a, it's a psychological evaluation, which gets probably way off of what you wanted to cover here. But that has been the single greatest thing that propelled me from analyst to one of the youngest you know, staff vice presidents at a Fortune 30 company in a pretty short order. Um, is that, that being willing to do anything for the team. I'll give you another example. Um, I'm very fond, because of servant leadership, my first two rules are these sort of rules that maybe other people have thought of and maybe even put in a book somewhere. I haven't pulled from that, but I'm sure they're not unique. We need people who are willing to take risks. We need people who are willing to innovate. Uh, we need people to, to match the adversary that we face. Right? It'll sort of match them in vigor. And the problem is, is most security teams, the number one issue is they're afraid. They're indifferent. We have indifferent security teams. The fastest way to get to indifference is if they're in fear, because they will not take risks and they will not innovate. And the single greatest thing I see that aligns to indifference, if I'm going to pair that with another sort of viewable thing, is the lack of sort of fortitude of the immediate manager above that team. So are they willing to own pain that I talked about earlier? Or will they roll over on their team? So we need better leaders and people that are maybe even a little bit, I jokingly say, crazy to be willing to forego their comfort for the comfort of others. Because again, if they're in fear, they will not innovate. We need people to, to, that are ready to run through walls because they're not afraid. The number one thing out of our uh, State of the Sock report that analysts are concerned about, again, is outage hours. Outage hours. These are people that are supposed to find advanced attackers and they're worried about causing an outage. Well, why are they worried about that? Maybe it's because their management lets all that pain roll downhill and squish them rather than sort of owning you know, many times during an investigation, you have to sort of irritate the network, so to speak. You have to block certain things or take certain servers down as part of the response process. So all of this is interconnected. So to briefly recap, it's, it's servant leadership. Uh, it's knowing yourself, know what you're great at, and be honest to say, I'm not good at whatever that other thing is, and, and round that out with great people. How did you get to know yourself? Did you... Just go away and, and reflect. And <laughs> uh, there, there's not necessarily a, a great story around this, but it, it started even before I became uh, a leader necessarily, um, understanding that, look, if I didn't figure myself out, um, I wouldn't have the success that I, that I wanted. 
Um, and then once you're responsible for a team, uh, one of the first teams I took over was a technical team, a non-security team, and they were completely terrified. And one of the things that really bothers me at a human level, if I see people who are scared, I hate that. Whether it's people, animals, whatever, it really bothers me. And so I had to reach out to them and say, what will make you no longer afraid? And the first thing I had to do, uh, there was all these outages that were being caused. Uh, again, it's a non-security, it was an active directory team. And I said, well, I will be on every one of your calls. Before there would be an issue and management would never join these outage calls. So I will be on every one of these. I will not go to bed. I'll stay up all night. I will be on this call with you the entire time. I will not let anyone speak down to you, ever. And so that's a small thing. It's, it's, it's tactical. But out of that, I gained the trust of that team. And I did it with another team and another team and another team. So I think it's a combination of things. I think it's also a maturity thing. You know, when I was younger, you can sort of behave you know, like a crazy young man, and then as you get older, uh, and then the, the crazy old man, uh, more gray hairs. Uh, <laughs> but it's 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 sort of trying to. Um, I, I think leadership is the single greatest thing one can work on. Um, servant leadership, looking into you know, even the design, for example, the notion of many security teams, especially security operations, can be very mil militaristic. And there's nothing. I come from a military family, but it's often unwelcoming. So even the last sock that I built, we wanted bright, and, and we had a designer come in and, and welcoming colors and in, in, in bringing in people who were not necessarily as, that are, you know, that are underrepresented in, in a sock typically, typically a, a male-dominated you know, environment. We want to open that up as best we can and make it a friendly place. We want to do job shadowing, which we did, uh, to bring in others even that lack the skill. Uh, we wanted to do... Um, uh, learning, so open sort of a, a open meetings where you bring other people in to learn. No matter where you're from, everyone's welcome. That's a very, again, it's a small thing, but when you begin behaving this way like a leader, other people begin to follow that, and it creates this wonderful momentum and inertia, um, and greater things happen as the result. So it's nothing new. There's lots of people who talk about this, but I think you know, we, we often we say, hey, we've got a staffing shortage in information security. I'd argue we have a greater leadership shortage. Uh, so if we work on one, things like staff turnover go down. Uh, my, my staff turnover was virtually zero. Um, I think I got lucky, but it might have been the result of some of the things we did. So that applies, uh, you know, of the 60-some people I had report to me, that's certainly the size of many, you know, entire security programs for many medium-sized and sometimes large-sized companies. So. A lot of these little pieces, um, if anyone's, I'm extremely passionate about this. I think this is um, underrepresented. I, I do a talk on um, career development and leadership during a breach, which is kind of a oh, weird cool. thing. Okay. Um, focus just on this. So it's not about the technical things or necessarily, but it's my insecurities and, and how even during that as a director at the time. Um, you know, so, and that's been helpful to talking about how I wasn't good enough in many cases has been helpful to many others, which... There comes strength from that. There's some, some therapy that even... So it's an ongoing thing. I haven't figured it out, I guess, is a way to, to, to put an end cap on that. But it, it, yeah, it's very inspiring. Um, it's interesting that the only person I've heard talk about servant leadership in the security industry has also got... Um, or comes from a military background. Hmm. So I was thinking maybe there's something in that. Um, but we, we've spoken about talking upwards, talking downwards. Mm -hmm. What about across 
laterally, are there any other departments you feel that the, the CSIC could work better with? Right. Uh, so I think that the two to start off with, I think that they need great relationships. I think I mentioned some of this, but sales and legal, you have to have that uh, for different reasons. The other thing is, is you want to avoid um, sharing a message that would incriminate someone else without their knowledge. So as you're reporting up, make sure you report out to the sides first. Uh, that's back to that the sort of the, the wonderful recommendation. The one for every one minute, there's one hour. That's part of that one hour. Uh, I was had a conversation with yet another CISO that had a wonderful relationship with their board. They were seen as a, a, a trusted advisor, as was the term that was used. However, the people between him and the board, some of the peers, um, weren't as convinced. And so when messages went up, um, there was some friction, right? So you go to the board, you say certain things, and it irritates others. And so uh, I think that, that make sure that you have that, that friendliness, make sure you're socializing, um, focus closely on sales and legal, because that's, that's, I think those are your big movers in terms of allies. But again, um, you know, it could be privacy, it could be risk. You know, make sure that the observations from maybe your SOC or your analytic groups, that the problems they face become part of the risk register of the risk group to say, hey, you know what? We're unable to give a definitive answer on X because we lack Y. And Y could be a technology, it could be visibility, it could be cooperation. You know, we weren't able to finish our investigation, so this is a risk to the organization. Write it up in human readable terms, right, that the risk team will understand. And now you're amplifying their message because they have relevant, they're not working off of a, a work paper. They're getting real data from you. We've had 17 incidents tied to this type of problem. Thematically, it's this. And now they have great power, more so in the organization, because they're talking about sort of applied risk. And so that's another tip that I have. There's, if, if I walk into an organization and don't see that interconnection between the security analytic or you know, SOC or whatever that is, and observations from investigations, incidents, into a risk organization, uh, that's a huge red flag to me in terms of lacking friendliness, uh, uh, cooperation, but also a real, really it's a, a relevance thing that they lack. So I mean, that's another thing, having that, and you say, hey, look, I'm trying to make you better. I'm not trying to give you more work, but this is a, a relevant thing. And then you have a, a, you know, could be a weekly or monthly cadence to sort of refresh these, this sort of index. Thanks to Stephen. That's it for this week. Please do subscribe and rate our shows. You can also tweet us at TISS, that's T-E-I-S-S. -S. We'd love to hear from you. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next time for more Cyber Conversations. <laughs>